use them. Uh, we're in Second Chronicles chapter 7 in your Old Testament this morning. And I want to start out by saying I'm thankful to be an American. Uh, this is my home. This is my country. And uh, I am so thankful uh, that God blessed me with the opportunity to live in this particular place. I'm thankful. Uh, this morning I was listening to a few things that I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for the immigrants who traveled across the ocean for the new world in search of religious freedom. And I'm thankful for the spiritual awakenings that happened in our country that had such influence in the birth of our nation. And I'm thankful for the men who represented, the 56 men who represented our 13 colonies and brought our young nation together as they declared our independence from Britain. And I'm thankful for the words written upon that declaration. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They are unalienable because no man can either give them or take them away. They are given to us by God. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These are, these are truths that are self-evident. And you can never leave off the fact that all men are created equal. And we are endowed by our Creator. You know, Psalm 33 and verse 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom He hath chosen for His inheritance. I will say this, I'll be the first one to say it. There are a lot of things wrong with our country. There always has been. Even our, four, our founding fathers did not get everything right. There were, a lot of, there were a lot of things going on in our country at that time that we, that we should not be proud of. But there were a lot of things that were right. And there were, there, the idea was a nation that proclaimed the goodness of God. And trusted in the Lord. At the end of the Declaration of Independence, it talks about how we are dependent upon the divine providence of God. Meaning that there is no way this country could be the United States of America de defeating the most powerful army in the world if God had not intervened. We were dependent upon our Creator, our God. God chooses to bless such a nation because of the influence of the people of God and the word of God that is within them. And oftentimes, we as Christians, we, we get fired up with what is wrong with our nation today. And we go on rants and, and we make those opinions publicly known. But we, I'm afraid that we often neglect our own responsibilities to our country. And I will say that they are our first responsibilities. And the most primary responsibility that we have as, as Americans, as, as Christians, is to share the love of God to others by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we understand that the greater the peace that people have with God, the greater our nation will experience peace. We can try all forms of, of these things that we think will make us feel better. But we, until we're at peace with ourselves, 
and at peace with God. There's always going to be an inner turmoil, and it finds its way out, and it impacts those who are around us. We looked at on Wednesday night, prayer and politics was my message, and the text that we use was in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and verses 1 through 4. I'll read them for you. Paul writes, he says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications and prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. I'm thankful that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his son to die for all men. Well, the word of God teaches us that we have the responsibility to pray for all men. Jesus died for those who he knew was going to reject him. Those who he knew would deny him. We have the responsibility as believers to pray, even for those who, dis, uh, who dislike our God and dislike ourselves. We have the responsibility as believers to pray. He mentions in verse 2, he, he lists those who are in authority for kings and for all that are in authority. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Without godliness, there is no quiet and peaceable life. We have the responsibility to pray for those who are in authority, those who are, represent us and are our leaders. He says in verse 3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. You want to please God? You want to please God? Pray. Pray for all people. Pray for our leaders in our country. Why? Because in verse 4, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. This life is just a vapor. It is short. It soon passes by. What will, where will our eternity be spent? That's what God is really interested in. And so everything is set up on this earth. He ordained specific institutions for the purpose of pointing us to a relationship with him. Well, this morning I've asked all of us to open our Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 7 because it also contains a primary responsibility that we have. It, it offers a promise from God that was delivered to Solomon after he completed the building of the temple. It's a promise that is still applicable today. I want you to stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning. And I want you to help me to read. We're going to read verses 12 on down to the end of the chapter, verse 22. I'm, I'm going to read all the even verses to myself. You help me out with the odd verses beginning in verse 13. All right. Second Chronicles 7, beginning in verse number 12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. And have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. Together, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever. And mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And as for thee, if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked, 
and do according to all that I have commanded thee, and shalt observe my statutes and my judgments. Then will I establish the throne of thy kingdom according as I have covenanted with David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. But if ye turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will pluck them up by the roots out of my land, which I have given them. And this house, which I have sanctified for my name, will I cast out of my sight and will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. And this house, which is high, shall be an astonishment to everyone that passeth by it, so that he shall say, Why hath the Lord done this unto this land and unto this house? And it shall be answered, Because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, and laid hold on other gods, and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore hath he brought all this evil upon them. This morning, we're going to deal with the subject, our role in the nation in which we live. Father, bless the preaching of your word. Thank you for allowing us to read it. We, most of us, probably can quote verse number 14. But many of us perhaps did not understand the context of the surrounding verses. I pray this morning that you'll help me to preach your word, preach the truth of your word. And may you, Father, help us to accept our responsibility in this great nation that we live in. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 480 years after the children of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, Solomon began construction on the house of the Lord, or the temple, or as we often refer to it as Solomon's temple, as the builder of it. It was a grand and glorious temple that took seven and a half years to build. God gave Moses instruction in the wilderness to build the tabernacle, which was basically a tent that they would put up when they stayed in a location for a while, and they would take it down and move it with them. When David became king of Israel, he wanted to build a permanent place of worship, a temple of the Lord where the Ark of the Covenant could rest. But God would not allow David to build such a temple because he was a man of war. He was a man with bloody hands. But he did give David's son Solomon that opportunity. When all the work was ended, Solomon brought in the things that David his father had dedicated and placed them among the treasures of the house of the Lord. And then he gathered all the elders of Israel as the priests brought up the Ark of the Covenant and placed it in the most holy place in the temple. He brought up the tabernacle, the congregation, and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle. And the priests placed the ark in that most holy place. And as soon as they were come out, a cloud began to fill the temple. And the Bible says that the glory of the Lord had filled the house, and the priests could not stand to minister because of the Lord. I want us to turn back to chapter number 6 here in 2 Chronicles. If you read, if you took the time to read the first 11 verses, you'll see that the congregation of Israel were gathered together as Solomon spoke to them of how God executes his word. 
And our God is a God who does not break covenant. Amen? You know why? Our God is a God who keeps his word. It shows up throughout the Bible. When we place everything upon ourselves, scholar is an example, we can easily break covenant. We can say, I'm going to tell the truth always, but at some point you're going to, you're going to fib it just a little bit. God never, God never goes back on his word. God never breaks his covenant. And even when he has to pass judgment upon his people, he still remembers the covenant that he had made with his people. He is very quick to forgive and is compassionate. In verse number 13 of chapter 6, Solomon is standing upon a brazen scaffold that was about, the Bible uses cubits, which are, a cubit is a, roughly 18 inches. And if you do the math, it's roughly seven and a half inches wide and seven and a, seven and a half feet wide and seven and a half feet long. And it's, it's up about four and a half feet high. And there Solomon kneels down with his arms spread forth toward heaven. And he begins to pray in chapter number 6. And he began this prayer by offering praise to God. Because like us, he had much to be thankful for. Would you pick up reading with me in verse number 14? Here of chapter 6. Solomon said, O Lord God of Israel... There is no God like thee in the heaven nor in the earth, which keepest covenant and showest mercy unto thy servants that walk before thee with all their hearts. Thou which hast kept with thy servant David, my father, which thou hast promised him, and spakest with thy mouth, and hast fulfilled it with thine hand, as it is this day. He then proceeds to Ask God to listen to his prayer as well as the prayer of God's people. As the Lord hears our supplications, he petitions the Lord to be quick to forgive. Look with me in verse 21. He prays, he says, Hearken therefore unto the supplications of thy servant and of thy people Israel, which they shall make toward this place. Hear thou from thy dwelling place, even from heaven. And when thou hearest, forgive. My, how so much of our prayers need to simply be asking God to forgive us. While Solomon had much to be thankful for, and he understood that God always keeps his covenant, he also had much to ask for his nation. And in the remainder of chapter 6, we're going to read through them, and I just... I want you to notice this in the context of the passage. There are seven different petitions that Solomon offers to the Lord in his prayer. Each one refers to a specific situation. And each one has a condition preceded by the conjunction, if. And each one is succeeded by the request using the phrase, then hear thou. If you're in a habit of underlining your Bible, maybe mark these references. Let's begin in, with the first one in verse 22 and verse 23. Read with me. Pay attention, okay? Solomon says, If a man sin against his neighbor, and an oath be laid upon him to make him swear, and the oath come before thine altar in this house. If a man does that, verse 23, then hear thou from heaven. 
and do and judge thy servants by requiting the, the wicked, by recompensing his way upon his own head, and by justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. And then the second petition in verse 24 and 25, And if thy people Israel be put to the worst before the enemy, because they have sinned against thee. He understands that they're struggling in war and battle because of their own sin, and God cannot bless them because of their unholiness, their sin that they are lifting up in their life. He says, but if they shall return and confess thy name, and pray and make supplication before thee in this house, then hear thou from the heavens and forgive the sin of thy people Israel and bring them again into the land which thou gavest to them and to their fathers. And in verse 26, when, when things in the, in, the, in the nation become very difficult, he, he says, when the heaven is shut up and there is no rain, because they have sinned against thee. Famine, drought, those are particular judgments from God. Solomon recognized this. He says, yet if they pray toward this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou dost afflict them, then hear thou from heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel when thou hast taught them the good way wherein they should walk and send rain upon thy land which thou hast given to thy people for an inheritance. Solomon recognized we're going to sin, we're going to mess up. But if we come back to God and we're seeking God and, and we're wanting to get right with God and walk with Him and, and we pray and we confess Him, then Solomon is pleading, and Lord, please forgive us and restore us. Give us the rain. Then in verse 28 through 31, he offers up another petition. If there be dearth in the land, if there be pestilence, if there be blasting or mildew, locusts or caterpillars, if their enemies besiege them in the cities of their land, whatsoever sore or whatsoever sickness there be, then what prayer or what supplication soever shall be made of any man or of all the people of Israel? When everyone shall know his own sore and his own grief and shall spread forth his hands in this house, then hear thou from heaven thy dwelling place and forgive. And render unto every man according to all his ways whose heart thou knowest. For thou only knowest the hearts of the children of men. That they may fear thee to walk in thy ways so long as they live in the land which thou gavest unto our fathers. In those four verses there, Solomon, Solomon is putting the responsibility upon the individual. It's not just the nation, but we all have a responsibility to pray. And God knows our hearts and what we're seeking for and why we're seeking for it. Forgive us. In verse 32 and 33, he offers up the fifth petition. Moreover, concerning the stranger... Those who are not the people of Israel, which is not of thy people Israel, but is come from a far country for thy great namesake. And thy mighty hand and thy stretched out arm, if they come and pray in this house, then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for. There it is, man, that all the people of the earth may know thy name. 
and fear thee, as doth thy people Israel, and may know that this house which I have built is called by thy name. I'm thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah of the people of Israel. Amen? And I am thankful that because of Jesus Christ, we don't have to go to the temple. We don't have to go to the tabernacle. We don't have to go and offer up our, our offering. We don't have to take a lamb, a bullock, an oxen. We don't have to take those items. We can go boldly to the throne of grace in the name of Jesus Christ. We have access to God through our faith in Jesus Christ alone. We're one of the strangers. We're not of the people of Israel. But we have come to worship him. That is the principles that our nation is built upon. And as a result, what does what Solomon pray for? He says, use those people that all the people of the earth may know you are God. And you are God alone. He offers up the sixth petition in verse 34. So relative. If thy people go out to war against their enemies by the way that thou shalt send them, and they pray unto thee toward this city which thou hast chosen, and the house which I have built for thy name, then hear thou from the heavens their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause. And then number 7 in verse 36. If they sin against thee, for there is no man which sinneth not, and thou be angry with them and deliver them over before their enemies, and they carry them away captivism to a land far off or near. Yet if they bethink themselves in the land whither they are carried captive and turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned, we have done amiss, and we have dealt wickedly. In other words, don't blame God for the situation we're in. Accept responsibility for it. We're in that situation because we have, as a nation, as a people, have turned our heart from God. He says in verse 38, if, if they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, whether they have carried them captives and prayed toward their land, which thou gavest unto their fathers, and toward the city which thou hast chosen, and toward the house which I have built for thy name, then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications, and maintain their cause, and forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. How many times does he pray? If we mess up, Lord, if we sin, forgive us. If we mess up, if we make mistakes, if we sin and we get away from you, and we get so far that you have to allow things in our life, you're not going to offer peace and blessing. You're going to allow struggles and difficulties and heartache and trials to the point that even, even the point that Israel had to be taken into captivity out of their country, out of their homeland. Solomon is praying for his people. But God, if we confess, if we admit to you we're wrong, and we take responsibility for that, and we begin to pray and we turn our heart back to you and we go back, to the house of the Lord, will you forgive? Will you forgive? I know Solomon is going to make a lot of mistakes. He is. He's going to make a lot of mistakes, and he's going to pay for those mistakes. But at the least, at the very beginning, what an incredible leader, spiritual leader Solomon is for his people. 
He concludes his prayer in verses 40 through 42. And when he had made it and end of praying, fire came down from heaven. Boy, wouldn't you like to see the fire fall? Fire came down from heaven. It consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Now go to chapter 7 in verse 3. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Wouldn't it be something if God's people prayed earnestly, openly, responsibly before God? So that it is visible that God is pouring his blessing out upon his people. So that everyone who is around or near there, all of the children, the grandchildren, those who are near can say, God heard our prayer. We get to the beginning of our text in verse 12. The Lord appears to Solomon at night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. And he proceeds to offer him two promises that are followed by a warning. The first is a general promise to the people of God of how he will heal and bring revival to our land. These are the verses that are often quoted, often found in Scripture somewhere, and probably hanging up in someone's home. The Lord responds to Solomon with the answer in verse 13. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, that is repentance, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear their land, heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. God says, I'll, I'll gladly forgive. I'll gladly restore. I will gladly bless. But the people have to call upon my name. The people have to humble themselves. The people have to pray. And seek my face. The people have to turn from their wicked ways. If they're not willing, God is not obligated. Amen, amen, and amen. And the Lord says, I'm watching and I'm listening. I am waiting to hear those prayers. The second promise is a personal promise to Solomon. He gives it to him individually if he chooses to walk with God. Look at verse 17. The Lord says, and as for thee, 
If thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked, and do according to all that I have commanded thee, and shall observe my statutes and my judgments, then will I establish the throne of thy kingdom according as I have covenanted with David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. Now it's personal. People praying for their country. Now it's personal. He says, now, for you. If you will follow me, if you will walk with me, if you will live according to my word, I will bless you every step of the way. I will give you a wonderful kingdom. It's on you. You cannot live, you cannot say, well, I have liberty. Grace gives me liberty. Liberty does not give license. I know the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. I'm sorry, if we confess our sins, that's the if I'm looking for. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? Now, some people use that word if as license. Well, all I got to do is ask for forgiveness, and everything is okay. Listen, what they leave out is in 1 John chapter 2, John simply writes, don't sin. Sin not. If you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's not licensed to sin. Yes, God is quick to forgive. He's compassionate. He's loving. He'll take care of you. And he wants to pour his blessing out on you. But he's not going to bless unholiness. It doesn't give you a license. Well, I can just live however I want to live. Oh, I'm saved. Now that I'm saved, I can live however I want to live. That's not, you're not going to get God's blessing. Right? Solomon, if my people, which are called by my name, if they'll humble themselves, if they'll pray, if they'll, if they'll, if they'll get rid of their wicked ways, I will hear them. I'm listening. I'm watching. But Clay... What are you going to do? What about you? You can't, the, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. God is inter, interested in relationship with the individual. You can be in a wonderful family and, 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 and be a partaker of the blessings and your life be a miserable. Clay, what, what's your relationship with God going to be like? Because God says, if you'll walk with me, if you'll follow me, if you'll love me, if you'll put me first, I have the power to bless you. But I do not have to bless you if you turn and go live wickedly. Which is what Solomon ends up doing, doesn't he? And he loses his kingdom. And he hurts his family. Because at some point he decided to fulfill the lust of his own flesh more than obey God. But God told him, I'm telling you, I'm glad to bless you. I'm glad to help you. But our relationship will be what you want it to be. He closed, we close with a stern warning in verse 19. But if you turn away to Solomon, if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments which I've set before you and shall go and serve other gods and worship them. Then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land, which I have given them in this house, which I have sanctified for my name, will I cast out of my sight and will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. Wow. 
And this house, which is high, shall be an astonishment to everyone that passes by it. So that he shall say, Why hath the Lord done this unto this land and unto this house? And it shall be answered, Because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, and laid hold on other gods, and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore hath he brought all this evil upon them. It wasn't God's fault. People got what they wanted. Amen. Now, now here's the thing. I'm thankful that God is gracious. God is merciful. God is willing to forgive. God is quick to forgive. He is abundantly willing to pardon us. He understands our frame, that we are but dust. He knows that we are sinners. He knows that we're going to make mistakes. It's not that he's standing over us just ready to pounce upon us like a fly in a, and you got a fly swatter. It's not like God just standing there, you make one mistake, I'm going to pound you. God's just warning us. Our relationship with him should matter. Amen. Our relationship with God Almighty should matter. should matter to us. We ought to accept that responsibility. And in that responsibility, we have a responsibility to our family. In that responsibility, we have a responsibility to our church. We have a responsibility to our community and to the country, the nation in which we live. We have a role, every one of us. We have a role to play. In this day and hour in which we live. Many great nations. I'll go on to say many great churches and many great individuals. Are now just a proverb. They're not what they once were. Because at some point apostasy set in. Their greatness was founded in their relationship with God. But at some point they lost their way. And what we must be aware is that our history is being written today. Perhaps the most referred to period in the history of Israel is the days that their fathers forsook God and refused to enter the promised land and wandered for 40 years. We make such a big deal over the decisions and policies that our nation is making, and we should. But we must also make a bigger deal concerning our responsibility as believers. Have you prayed? Have I prayed? Before I offer my gripe, have I prayed for my leaders? Before I offer a disagreement, have I prayed for all men? That is my responsibility as a child of God. Do I make it a priority to pray for my country? Not saying, not this prayer. Oh God, forgive us. Our country is filled with a bunch of sinners. It's more like God, forgive us for my sin. For the role which I have played. There are times where I have not walked with you. And I have gotten away from you. And probably as a result, I have led other people away from you. Because I did not accept my responsibility. Cannot speak for the entire nation, but I can speak for myself. Like Solomon, we have a responsibility to walk before God. 
to observe the word of God and to be obedient to its precepts. We have the responsibility to love God with all our hearts, all our mind, and all our strength. Can I get an amen? That's our primary responsibility. Love God with all that there is in us. What's the second one? What's the second great commandment? Love the person beside you. Love one another. Jesus said, by this shall you, all men know that you are my disciples. In other words, know that you're my people by your love one toward another. I will say this. I have to say this because this is the way the Lord led me today. I will tell you a main thing that our founding fathers got wrong. Is they, they, they wrote in the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal, but slavery existed. That is a horrible wrong. It is a horrible wrong. I want to encourage you to read Frederick Douglass's. Um, you can find his transcript online. Look for his speech that he made in Rochester, New York on uh, Jan- uh, July 5th, 1852. It's entitled, the title of it is, What to the Slave is July 4th? Read that. It'll open your eyes a little bit. Because we cannot talk about, as a country, we cannot talk about, oh, how good God is and how much he loves us and how we're a Christian nation and all of these things, if we do not love one another. I'll stand boldly upon that. If all men are created equal, all men are created equal. If there are unalienable rights, such as life, liberty, you could throw abortion in there, yes, sir. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness... That goes to all. It is an unalienable right to all people. So our priority is this. We must love God with all that there is in us, with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind, and all our strength. God comes first. And secondly, we must love one another. And as Paul said, we have the responsibility to pray for all men. That's people who look like us and don't look like us, people who like us and don't like us. It's everybody. And we have the responsibility to love all people. And if you have any hatred towards someone, you need to repent of that and get that matter right. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's not the skin color. It's not their religious upbringing. It's not their finances. It's not whether they look nice or smell. God loved them. That must be the church. Like the people of Israel, we must not forsake God's word. And serve gods that we have created with our own ideas. We must pray and seek the Lord humbly. Turn from our sinful ways. And plead with God to forgive us. 
and heal our land. So as the pianist comes and plays something softly this morning, I offer an invitation in a different way today. A bit of a different way.